Welcome back to the Roster Watch Podcast. This is Alex Dunlap. We're excited to roll out the first of a new weekly show here on the feed, which will be more of an interview kind of piece. It'll be guest hosted by friends of the Roster Watch crew. In this first episode, I had a great conversation with Mike Wright. Mike Wright is one of the founders of the Fantasy Footballers. You can find him on Twitter at FFHitman. The Fantasy Footballers is one of the most popular podcasts in the fantasy football space. It's honestly one of the most popular podcasts in sports, if you look at the Apple Podcasts um, ratings. Uh, We talked about the crazy 2018 fantasy football postseason. We talked about what to make of Philip Lindsay and other 2018 backs for 2019 purposes. So, you know, where guys like Philip Lindsay and Nick Chubb, et cetera, should be drafted next season. We talked about how Michael Thomas broke Mike's heart, about how he gave him diarrhea. Um, what else? Vashawn uh, McCoy, is, is, is he done? Look, we talked about a whole lot. We talked about the Fantasy Footballers as a company. Uh, Mike gave out some awesome tips about how to grow a podcast audience and what's really important in this space. We even talked about existential threats to humanity, like the avian flu. Um, also, we talked about a cause pretty important to Mike, uh, uh, Brandon Marshall's 375 Foundation. You can find out more about that at project375.org. Finally, you can support the Roster Watch podcast and get access to multiple bonus podcasts per week. Uh, and those feature me, they feature Byron, the Trash Man, and other great guests. You can get that all with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. We'll be bringing you all the latest news from the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the Pro Day Tour, and then so much more as we get into the heart of draft season, as well as take you behind the curtain uh, regarding the development of off-season tools like the Best Ball Cheat Sheet and the Dynasty Rookie Cheat Sheet. It is entirely due to listeners like you that this is all possible, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on to the show. This is Michael Thomas, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. This is a new type of podcast because it's always, it's oh, it's it's usually always, well, it's always about fantasy football or about fantasy or about the draft, but it's usually about me, 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 Alex Dunlap, and Byron Lambert, of course. Sometimes the trash man will grace us with his disgusting presence. But today... It's a brand new day, and this is a brand new series of podcasts that I'm going to be starting, and we're going to have a guest on, a weekly guest, and these are going to be guys that are friends of Roster Watch, friends of the program, people that we've met through our different you know, travels and travails through uh, the NFL you know, process and the cycle of the year. And the first guest that we have this, uh, for this very endeavor this week is our great friend, Mike Wright, the FF Hitman. You know him from the Fantasy Footballers podcast and everything they do over there at the Fantasy Footballers Mike Wright, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the pod. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes. I'm glad to be the first guest. I've I've heard 
that the the one spot where I jumped on with you guys at FSTA up in Minnesota, that thing is now headed to the Smithsonian. <laughs> yep. It is now a spot of legend and lore. So I'm glad to be here for some more of it. Yeah, and and I asked I asked Byron if he had any thoughts about what I should ask you that I should, I should put in the show sheet, and he said, "Why don't you ask him about uh, about knocking me down for all my um, Jared Goff preseason love?" <laughs> well, <laughs> to to be fair, you guys were right for about half the year. <laughs> yeah, but when it really matters, he is absolutely crushing the souls of of people who continue to punish themselves and play him. It's those, it's, it's those tiny hands in that cold weather, Mike. It's yeah. Like, hey, man, eventually, eventually you got to play in the wintertime. Eventually you got to play in the winter. And sure. uh, it's, it's we, you know, probably Byron, Byron wasn't accounting for that. What do you think, dude? Is this, is this like the weirdest fantasy playoffs ever? Like, how, how are your teams doing? I have a team, my best team that I've had in ages. I mean, ages. And nobody cares about my team, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. On this <laughs> team, right, on this team, I had, I had, I don't even know how I came up with this roster in a 12 team league, a competitive 12 team league, like Alvin Kamara, uh, Kareem Hunt, um, Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, Juju Smith Schuster, like Jordan Reed Woo! was a good tight end. It was, it was a really, really good team. And at the end, it just absolutely crumbled. And I lost last week to the likes of Robert Foster. And, and, and dirt balls like this, whenever, you know, Keenan Allen, you know, craps the bed and, you know, I, I don't have Kareem Hunt and now I don't have Spencer Ware and everything I thought I'd done right turned out to be wrong. What do you think, man? Like, is this the weirdest that you can remember these playoffs? Go, go, we have Derrick Henry going off. Yeah, the, especially for the playoff weeks. It's really been we're living in the upside down right now. My my most important league, my league of record. I had the the number two seed. I was my team was incredibly strong. I had Melvin Gordon leading the way, so of course I'm without him. But I've got depth, man. I've got RB depth because I had Carryon Johnson. Oh yeah, then he's out. And then I had uh, I got to fill in with Justin Jackson and Nick Chubb. But at the end of week week 15. My team put up the second lowest points they've put up the entire year, and I am out because of uh, those final two Michael Thomas receptions with five minutes <laughs> oh, left Jesus. in the entire game. It oh, was oh. I've never been so stressed out. I mean, I've been in plenty of championship rounds. I've never been so stressed out watching an entire game, and my hope just building and building the magic was happening. Every Michael Thomas reception was a penalty. Until the final five minutes of the game, where I was eliminated. I'm telling you, man, it's like it's just it's just so brutal. And it, one of the things I put in the show sheet that I really wanted to ask you because I, I saw it kind of brought up yesterday by. Um, do you follow Grant Barfield? He used to be on Fantasy of Guru, and yeah, now, now now he's with NFL. He had the tweet that just seemed to divide the fantasy community as he as he usually does. The, he he was saying that these playoffs are the reason why we need to really look at points leagues why we really need to look at um you know maybe best, best ball, ball. Yeah, st- yeah stuff like this that is a, is a little bit more fair and, and to to his credit my wife actually plays in this this maniacal league that she got into that i, I found on a message board forum over at football guys called like the fairest league of them all and that's a complete points league and i've been really interested to watch how that has panned out over the course of the year, a league where they really try and make everything, you know, exactly, completely fair, where everybody plays everybody every week. And it, 
I just, I don't know how I feel. Like, what do you, how do you feel about those leagues as compared to head to head? And has this slate of fantasy playoffs made you really think any differently about the kind of leagues that you would like to play or like making them any bit more fair? I love best ball. I think it's incredible. The addition to the fantasy football community, but for me, best ball is an off season endeavor. Exactly. Dude, you do. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's no, exactly good, kind man. of how I feel. It's like best ball for us has been a godsend in that you can play best ball all off season. And yeah, you, know, exactly. you, can, you can mix it in with your dynasty stuff. When it comes to in season to me, like what I say to Grant Barfield is like, man, as much as I hate getting beaten by this dude, who's, who's got the, like Robert Foster just crushing me. And you know, as Keenan Allen gets a goose egg and all the rest, I, I still like, a lot of these fantasy leagues, man, that I'm playing in that are season-long leagues, I love them because they're with all my friends. I like play, going, you know, talking, talking shit, walk, coming up into the week, all the, you know, all the rivalries and stuff. I think that's part of the, part of the fun. Uh, I mean, do you agree? And how do 100%. you mix? So like, how do you mix that up with making sure that, <laughs> making sure that it's as fair as possible? Well, the problem with fair about fantasy football is you will never, ever get to a point where it's fair. I think we, that we do need to refine some things I have some pretty, uh, uh, what's some might consider to be, uh, very liberal ideas about <laughs> what needs to happen to the scoring format. You? Uh, but at which I can lay some of those out, but, but the point is that game where I watched and I had, uh, at least three heart attacks and full diarrhea watching that Monday night game <laughs> that would not have existed. If everything was a total points league, I, I don't think that scenario could have played out where I'm in the semifinals up against a guy. I really, really don't want to lose to. I want to talk so much crap to this dude's face because we are very good friends and beating him would bring me so much joy, but he beat me. And it's just, it's, it's part of the experience for me that the way that the playoffs play out. Um, I don't know where the phrase came from, but I assume a very wise person once said in fantasy football to make it to the playoffs, that takes skill to win a championship. There's a lot of luck built into yep. that one. Yeah. No. And it's, it's like I always say on our, on our radio show, I'm like, if you use the tools that, that we provide at roster watch, if you listen to our advice and you really, and I'm sure it's like the same, like this with, with you guys over at fantasy football is you guys have content every single day. Right. Yeah. Like you have either a podcast, you have an article, like you have a website, there's content every day. If people follow through and listen to the advice of people who are as maniacal as us about tracking all this stuff and, and, you know, knowing which players to pick up or knowing which players it's, it's okay to now drop at this point, you know, and, and drafting well and having a good ro- a good roster construction coming in where you build depth. And then at a certain point in time in the season, you have to consolidate that depth into more, you know, into more equity on your starting roster. And, and these are all things that you can do through the course of a season. And if you have good direction, you, it's like getting to the playoffs is, is very, you know, that's something that you should be able to do every year. Like, yes, it's, but once you, once you get there, I always say, man, all bets are off. Like it's a, it, to that point it becomes a one week season and that's where the sample size is just like, you know, anything can happen on, on any given week over the course of the year, you should be good boring any you know, injuries, any huge swindles, anything like that, man. But yeah. And the playoffs and we, we've just seen it more than ever this year is that it's just, you know, it really is just week after week. What was it like? I want to hear about your most ridiculous and cockamamie uh, liberal uh, liberal scoring rules. Like, is there one that you could share? 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so one of them is, and I, I, I got my, uh, my teammate, Jason Moore from the footballers. He's on board with this. We have to fix quarterback scoring. You cannot have 10 rushing yards equal point for a quarterback and 25 passing yards equal a full point. I, I think it's absolute garbage, uh, that you're saying, okay, well it's, it's the same position. The quarterback is doing the same thing of getting yards, but somehow if he runs for 10 yards, that's worth way more in our game. And so that these, these quarterbacks like Josh Allen, who is throwing for 200 yards a game or whatever, all of a sudden he's the number one scorer in fantasy football. I just, I, I absolutely hate it. And then the one that I think really flips the collar on people because they love the almighty touchdown. It is everything. Touchdowns are worth too many points. They should not be worth six. I should not see a tight end at the end of which literally happened this past week. I can't remember who it was. One reception, one yard, one touchdown. He was the tight end six on the week because of that one play. That's absolutely garbage to me for fantasy football. We got to bring it down. I'm fine with four. It should still be a nice reward that they scored for the team, but it's just too powerful to me and swings matchups too much. You, you, you are an absolute sicko. So you're saying that you want, <laughs> you, you're saying that you want, uh, let me just break these both down. So with the quarterbacks, how would you, how would you do scoring? Like what would you want? 25, to 25 passing yards is a point. 25 rushing yards is a point. Or would, fair is fair. But yes. W- but wouldn't that, wouldn't more fair be to, so what, but why not? But why do they get less points for their rushing than their running backs? Because they, well, why do they get less points for the passing yards? Well, then, so why not make it 10 points per? Uh, oh, one? yeah, sure. Sure. If you want to, if you want to bring it down and just elevate the, the quarterback scoring, so go 10 yard, 10 passing yards at the point, 10 rushing yards at the point. I'm completely fine with that. I just want the rushing. I want a yard to be a yard for a quarterback. Was the, was the guy you were thinking of, um, Last week, it, it wasn't Jeremy Sprinkle, was it? It might have been Sprinkle. Was it Sprinkle? I, I know I can, Sprinkle had a weird one. I, I know that uh, Manhurts had a touchdown. I for, uh, yeah, but I, I can't think of who it was. Maybe didn't didn't Lee Smith have a touchdown for the uh, for the for the Raiders too? That swindled. That's who you're thinking of, I'll bet. Lee Smith. I'm, I'm looking yes. at it right here. Lee yeah. Smith, the one target, one reception, one yard, yeah. one touchdown. I mean, <laughs> like. You should not be rewarded for that. Like you played, I mean, you got George Kittle working his butt off over here. Three, and we're talking. This is uh, I'm in a half point. Three for fifty-one. He scored the same amount of points as Lee Smith. I mean, get out of here. Yeah, that's just 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 awful. What do you think about my? I mean, my deal has always been, and and see, I think that those are actually rules, Mike. That you could actually. You could institute those, right? Like of course, you could, yeah. You could, you, you could institute them. I, the, the rule that I want to make, I don't think can be instituted, and I think that you should get points for drawing uh, defensive pass interference as a wide receiver. Yeah, I've, we've, we've talked about that a few times on the show, and I'm actually I'm okay with it. It's, it's figuring out exactly what the points should be because I don't want – a, even though they get it in the NFL, I don't necessarily agree with it that you should get the full yardage. Right. I mean, they, they don't do that in college. No. But if if it's like a 50-yard pass interference, I don't know, maybe give them half the points 
I don't know. There, there has to there there has to be some kind of common ground that everyone can come to on an agreement. That's what makes that that particular penalty and scoring situation difficult. And then the and then the one the only other one that I have a real beef with, and I've wondered if you ever thought about this, is I hate it whenever my whenever my defense and special teams gets gets a penalty gets a penalty a points penalty for a, a touchdown that was given up by the offense like via a pick six. They've actually they changed that this year on ESPN standard scoring just built into their format is if it's a pick six, it doesn't count against your DST, which I I agree it shouldn't. So so that's actually been done on ESPN. They haven't done that on DraftKings or any of the daily sites. They haven't done it on Yahoo. So that's that's interesting. Um, At least I don't I don't I don't think that they've done it. Have they done it on 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 Yahoo? Not that I know of. I, I most of my leagues are on ESPN and the sleeper app right now. Okay. The sleeper app. What is that? Oh man, you guys don't know about sleeper. <laughs> no, what is it? Oh man, you gotta check it out. It's uh, so they started. Uh, they actually started their business right around the time that the fantasy footballers was starting to get the uh, the engines revving. And at first, they were a a news news site. So like, you would get a notification sometimes faster. Uh, or I say frequently faster than guys like Roto World, and then you'd get the the uh, the edge of breaking news happened. They they sent you a notification to the phone. Then they created some you know community tabs and things. And now they this year they instituted leagues, and they're trying to take a fresh look at at the archaic thing that is fantasy football, like ESPN and Yahoo. There's so many things they could do to improve, but I think they're just they're so gigantic that it's really hard to make changes. So these guys uh, with the sleep rep, they're doing, they're doing some serious work for, for league formats, customization, similar to, uh, you know how my fantasy league lets you sure, yeah. kind of do everything. But my fantasy league is, it's kind of so hard uh, to use. Well, kind of. well uh, yeah, well it's very cumbersome. If you yeah. don't know the system, <laughs> yeah. learning that system is a textbook in itself. Yeah. And, and so the guys at sleeper are doing their best to take away from that. No, that's cool. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. So our, yeah, so our, for listeners, sure. can, our listeners can check it out if they, if, if they haven't already. And, and you talked about the beginning of the fantasy footballers. I, I, I wanted to kind of get into some of the industry stuff and some of what you guys are doing over there. But before we get to that, just a, a few more sort of, you know, just fantasy football notes and things I feel like we need to discuss as we are getting to have our, uh, our, what, you know, biannual kind of meeting of the minds here. I got to get some things figured out here with, 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 with Mike, right? Sure. Um, so what, dude? What about Philip Lindsay? I, I saw. I, I think he made. Oh. The, I, I think he made the Pro Bowl. The tiny slasher. Um, he is the first undrafted. Uh, I believe first undrafted. Oh, gotta be rookie, yeah. offensive rookie to ever make the Pro God, Bowl. Gotta be, and he's just been so good. But he weighs 195 pounds. Um, what what are you what are you making of it? Like, do, do you think that what he's doing there in Denver is sustainable? And I just I worry about the fact that there's still Royce Freeman is still lurking. That guy had a lot of you know draft equity coming in. He, uh, certainly a lot of great college production. I know you guys do a ton of work in the offseason, you know, watching these prospects and sort of doing yeah. your evaluations about how they um, how they you know, how they sort of fit in. It's actually one of my favorite times of the year to listen to y'all's, to y'all's pod because it's, oh, thank you. Because that's stuff that I'm right in the middle of, you know, right in the middle of too. And I, I, I love hearing everybody's opinions. Like, were you, I forget though, were you guys high on Royce Freeman? I and, was, yeah. And, all right. I, well, so how do you see this thing shaking out? Because there's a lot of weird parts, especially in dynasty to kind of figure out. Yeah. Royce Freeman, 
I liked uh, where, uh, my initial interest into him is when I put this is the part of the show where you can say my model. I used my projection <laughs> right, model. Yeah. Very, very fart sniffer of me over here. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But I, I put his numbers in and the, like my computer <laughs> exploded. Yeah. I went, holy crap, who is this guy? Because we, we are, like you said, we're every day. We're five times, we're, uh, five times a week with the podcast. Uh, then I do a daily show. Then we have a, uh, an extra show every single week for our Patreon supporters. So we are content nonstop of what's happening in the NFL right now. So I don't pay attention to college until January. Right. So I, I have a bit of a catch up, but certainly gets going. So it was, holy crap. What, who is Royce Freeman mm-hmm. out of Oregon? And you go, oh, well, he had the seventh most yards from scrimmage in NCAA history. You go, oh, okay. That makes sense. So he was. Very, very high up on the production model. I liked uh, other other running backs ahead of him, as terms of you know the eyeball test, which is of course very hard and very subjective. But those co- the combination of those two things, then the draft equity of the third round pick in the perfect spot. The situation, yeah. Uh, yes, it was absolutely everything was aligned for Royce Freeman, so much so that. It, when it came time for our rookie draft, the, the footballers we have are we have a dynasty league. Carry on Johnson was my probably number four running back as far as rankings as in terms of talent. And it, he had great production as well. But I took Royce Freeman over him, even though I liked carry on better. I took Royce Freeman over him because I thought the situation for immediate impact was there. And that's what my team needed. What I didn't account for was that Philip Lindsay is actually a good running back. And like not just good. He is a great, great. running back. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I spent months telling myself that Philip Lindsay's size, his stature, it's going to be an issue because there's, there are guys of course that have done it at that size, but they're always outliers at this point with our very small sample size. It's hard to not imagine that Philip Lindsay is in fact going to be one of these outliers because he is sensational. His burst combined with his vision, he's just, he's a really, really good running back. And I think that it's going to be this status quo going into next year that Philip Lindsay is going to be the lead guy. Royce may get a little bit more work, but I still think that Philip Lindsay's gonna be running that show for a while. What's funny is that Freeman's an awesome receiver. It's like it'd be so weird yes, if Philip Lindsay was the lead back and Royce Freeman is somehow like the one B satellite back. But no, like it was Devontae Booker. Yeah. We gotta use Booker. What is that all about? I don't know. But dude uh, dude uh, that guy just I, I hate Devontae Booker. But <laughs> I don't even want to talk about him. But I uh, but it, but as far as Philip Lindsay man you're right it's that burst but it's all oh, dude in that in the, it's in that outside zone scheme dude the yes. like after his like it's one cut but, and it is just like he's like a jackrabbit. I can't believe how fast he is through the line of scrimmage. And I just I wonder if it is if it is sustainable. And, I, and the reason I wonder is just because, just let me ask you this: Do you how much worry do you have coming into next season? And we're, we're going to be into best ball season really soon. Like we're going to have eighty. We're going to have best ball ADPs within the, within the month. So right. like, wh- where do you think that Philip Lindsay where? Where would you com- where would you be comfortable taking him coming Ooh. into coming into the 2019 season? Because I, we were talking about it on the serious show the other night, and Trashman said that he's a like he's a guy that he would. T- Trashman loves Philip Lindsay and says I would take him in the second round. Now we all know Trashman, you know, 
We, yeah, we all know. He has horrible taste. Ooh, that smell, like, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, I said, I you know, second round. That to me, I mean, can you agree that that's pretty? That's pretty, pretty lofty, right? That's pretty egregious. Second round. I think that's where his ADP will end up. Are you serious? On, yeah, I, I'm Gee trying to. Whiz. I'm trying to break it down in my head of the combination of running backs and and wide receivers. I. I don't know if I would pay the second round price for him, but I bet he will be that fringe second, third round type of player. I mean, he's where, where is he on the season right now? He's an, I mean, I, he's I, an absolute monster. I'll, I'll yeah, pull that up real I can, quick. I can pull it up. It's, uh, so Philip Lindsay on fantasy data is the running back 11 running back. A standard is st- is in st- half point in half point. Okay. But we, uh, we, the footballers are half point. The, the best, it's the way to go. It's, it's the, the best way, scoring because, format. because that way you just, you, you know, you, you, the PPR folks and this and the dwindling amount of standard folks are still fine with it. They can, you know, you can figure it out from, yeah. from here. Um, yeah, it looks like uh, Philip Lindsay in, in standard one, two, three, four, five. I think what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve in standard. If we go to points, points per game. So I mean, yeah, I. But it's me, so like going through that list. I mean, he's a running back one right now. But you can go through this list. Kareem Hunt, who's ahead of him, gone. He's you're not drafting him. James White, yeah, you're not going to draft him as him. as a running back one. Marlon Mack, you're probably not drafting him. What, no, what do you not, think? I mean, are you? Marlon Mack ahead of Philip Lindsay? Yeah. I would not. Better, no. better offensive line, better offense. Yeah, but uh, Lindsey's just better. Yeah, Lindsey is a better, a better guy. And I, I actually, I think that the once Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, who I love, once those guys get that full off season of they are the guys, they are the starters. I think that this offense can actually improve and then that's not taking away from Emmanuel Sanders that's taking away from Demarius Thomas of I think that (laughs) I think his time in the league is uh is it's about to pass him by it was it it already has passed him by brother we we, we, were that was one thing we we were talking about this summer up in Minneapolis just how could you ever yeah you know how is the how how are these two ADPs shaking out wherever you know Emmanuel Sanders is going after Demarius yeah that never made sense yeah what the hell's going on with that what what about Nick Chubb do you think that he's going to be a guy who goes who goes before Philip Lindsay yeah that's that's an interesting question I do I think Nick Chubb will go ahead of Philip Lindsay. He should. I mean, right now, same data source, fantasy data. Nick Chubb is the running back 14 and he's been the starter for what half this season. Yeah. I know. I know he inflated his, his overall total with, with two massive games, but Nick, but that's Chubb, what he brings to the table. Yes, like he, that's, that's what exactly. Yeah. That's the difference between him and Carlos Hyde where he, and the offense as a whole. I mean, look at what, look what's happened to the Cleveland Browns since they made the the way too late regime change. They have, they're they're in the playoff contention. I know that it's a ridiculous way they can make it in, but who would have ever thought through four weeks that you'd that you'd give more than non-zero a percentage chance that the Cleveland Browns can make it? So I think Nick Chubb is going to take the next step. I'm, the question for Nick Chubb is: Does he end up as a first-round pick? Yeah, well, I think. Th- he might Look, be right man, on that border. It's, it's it's turning out to be, dude. Baker's, a, we all knew it. Baker's a great. Oh, Baker's, he's great. great. Like he's yes. g- he's going to be good. He's going to continue to get better. That offense is that offense is evolving. They have good 
pretty good offensive line play. That left tackle has been somewhat of a bugaboo sort of for them this yeah. season and, and, and replacing Joe Thomas. But, I mean, they've kind of started to – They it seems like they've kind of started to figure that out a, a little bit. Maybe Greg Robinson is giving them a little bit of a boost on what they had in Desmond Harrison to start the season. But, uh, I mean, skill players – I mean, abound. I mean, say what you will about Jarvis. He's a good football player. Antonio Callaway is a, is a knucklehead, but, you know, and his looked pretty bad this year. But, dude, if you look at some he of his could college get it tape, together. yeah, like that guy has a really, really high amount of upside. You know, Njoku's a, a freak. So th- that's an offense where there's just a, a lot of weapons. And in these offenses with a lot of weapons, we've seen that it's, it's you know, we've seen that – they can get in scoring position, and they do. They throw to the ball down there to Nick Chubb. He's shown that he can catch. He's shown that he can. You know, he can. I'm, if I were a Duke Johnson owner, I'd I'd be worried. I'd be. You yes. know, I mean, very you, much. What do you think about that? What is Duke Johnson? What is Duke Johnson worth at, at this point in dynasty? And could he even kind of come back to being a focal part of that offense? It seemed like whenever Freddie Kitchens came in for his first week as the new play caller after Hugh Jackson's firing, they made a little bit of a concerted effort to get Duke the ball a little bit more. But in that same game, it was still a heavy, just a huge amount of volume for Nick Chubb. It seems like Duke Johnson's time, all of a sudden, even after he just got in. in ended up getting paid a little bit his time is kind of coming coming to a little bit of an end as far as any kind of major production on tap there in Cleveland yeah the only thing I would do with Duke Johnson is if I'm if I have Nick Chubb on my dynasty team I might float a low ball offer just to back him up because I think if if it if Duke is the main guy I think he has the ability to give you some good fantasy production on this team next year but standalone behind uh behind Nick Chubb it's going to be maybe four startable games throughout the entire year. Yeah, and this can be impossible to peg when they are, right? Right. It's, it's yeah, be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so not the kind of guy you want. Here, how, how about a couple more dynasty questions since we're kind of talking about it? What, sure. What, what do you think, and shit, it's, I mean, it's just as far as rookie runners, what happened to Rashad Penny? Um, what, you said that you had Royce Freeman as your running back for – was Penny there in your top three? I, I'd, I'd imagine then it was Barkley, Geis, P- Penny, um, yeah, Fr- Freeman. So, wh- what did you what did you think about? Like, did you see anything out of Penny this year that you liked? What the hell do you think happened? What, I mean, what was Seattle doing making the pick if this was going to be how things played out? Just, what's your book on Rashad Penny, and how do we even process this moving forward? Yeah, the, the pick was. Uh, Pretty nonsensical as, as as far as football goes. Uh, <laughs> he has so many knees. Like so yes, many, right. Yeah, and Chris Carson. He to me at least last year, Chris Carson proved enough. It's pretty good. Pretty good that, that he's yeah. a good running back. And this year has proved that he is a very capable player. Now I was firmly entrenched in first round draft capital. If you go, if you go to my off season, you check my tape. It's going to be me just absolutely crapping all over Chris Carson, who was, you know, like the fourth to last pick in the entire draft. It's only reasonable. It's only reasonable. Why did they use this on him? It's like what they did is nonsensical. So it would be even more nonsensical for them not to run the pound this dude. Exactly. And that's, that was one of, I think the, it's a lesson that I've of course been hit by many times, but this time it's actually going to factor far more into, into the analysis. It's, GMs and head coach are often illogical people and we have to account for the human factor that they're not going to do the right thing. We, we thought Vance Joseph 
was doing the wrong thing for about a month of the season, playing Philip Lindsay ahead yeah. of Royce Freeman. Yeah. Turned out he was doing the right thing. Now, maybe it's turned out that Pete Carroll was actually doing the right thing, playing Chris Carson ahead of Rashad Penny. His GM just made a boneheaded mistake and wasted a first-round pick on him. And I, I, it's hard to imagine, even with that first-round pedigree, that if Chris Carson is around, that Rashad Penny can really amount to anything. But Chris Carson, as we've seen often through his career, his short career already, the guy runs a style of, uh, of play that leads him open to injuries all the time. So Rashad Penny still has a chance. I'm not throwing him away saying it's, oh, he's a, he's a first round bust already, but it's going to be a, a climb to the top of the depth chart. And one that you can't really project without some kind of, of, uh, unseen for a circumstance happening to Chris Carson. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, for me, I just always said it was just like the tiny little, the tiny little elephant in the room because it was just a tiny little puny little Donnell Pumphrey elephant, right? Because Donnell Pumphrey was, was the leading, the nation yeah, yeah, yeah. in that same offense. Like, and he can't even play in the NFL. And you just wonder how much of that, you know, rubbed off on Rashad Penny, just being part of that, part of that offense. It was something we were going to have to answer, you know, answer for. And I just wonder now, I, I mean, would you, because I don't, dude, I don't even know if you can trade for Rashad Penny and buy low for him in Dynasty right now, considering that in most Dynasty leagues, he was probably the third or fourth overall. He was 1.04, you know, 1.03 in some leagues. And those owners are going to say, look, man, I'm not going to trade this guy for pennies on the dollar after I went for early first round pick on him last year. I'm going to wait this thing out. I mean, do you think that there's a window here to buy on Rashad Penny? And like, and if there was, would you have any interest? Yeah, I have, I would have some interest, I would say, because they, because things change so rapidly. I mean, like Justin Jackson was a, a player who I really, really liked coming into the draft process. Of course, his draft price and him being a practice squad guy moved up and down a few times that made me sour on him. And I didn't fully stash him, which ended up being a mistake. Right. Uh, so I, it just it really depends on the price because I think if Penny gets the opportunity, I've seen enough, and I've seen enough now from the ridiculous Schottenheimer system that no matter what, they're gonna run the ball even if it's the wrong thing to do. That's just what they're gonna do, and they're giving they're giving opportunities to the running back, and that's what my fantasy team needs. So if I have a chance to buy low on him, I would certainly be open to it. It's not a this is not an absolute though. I'm. I'm going hard in the paint after Rashad Penny. <laughs> You're not telling everybody to make sure and get this done. Right. Go out and get him. Okay, right. But, I mean, if, if somebody were to, say, offer, uh, you know, maybe send you Rashad Penny for, I don't know. Um, well, another guy who I wanted to talk to you about. What if they were going to send you Rashad Penny for, um, let's say, LaShawn McCoy and a two? E- oh, and a two. And a two. <sighs> If I need, wow, yeah, I'd probably do it. <laughs> All right. Well, so what do you think about Shady? I mean, is he is he done? Do you just do you, is, is 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 that in order to go out and get him the hell off of your dynasty team? If you can bail out of <laughs> Shady McCoy, yeah, you you would probably want to do that. He is a bizarre player because of his contract situation. It seemed like maybe they won't even keep him around for this year with all the moves that the they were making. But they did, and I actually think he's going to be on the team next year. And with the 
the emergence of Robert Foster in I just if, can't. That makes me that whole emergence makes me sick, man. I'm still, I, I'm but it's burned it's, by it. it's happening. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know. four of five games, he's got about a hundred yards. No, it's, I know. it's, it's madness. It makes no <laughs> sense. But here we are, and he's making Josh Allen. He's raising the floor of Josh Allen. Who, yes, I I was on team anti Josh Allen. I I did not like him. I still don't <laughs> like him as a as a quarterback. That's why I want fantasy change. Josh Allen's not a good quarterback. He should not be good for your fantasy team. Uh, yeah. I, ugh, gross. <laughs> but uh, back to McCoy. I do think he hangs around the Buffalo Bills next year, and I think it's a a better season, barring injury, of course, because he's Shady's hit that uh, that magic number of touches where you just see bodies completely break down at the running back position. Can he be an outlier of that? I'm not. I'm not sure yet. But I, he will be on the team next year is my projection. And I think that he will be a fine running back too. So if you're a contender and you have Shady McCoy, if people are just going to give you absolute garbage for him, then I would prefer to just hold him and see what he can give me next year. But if you can do something like that, like Shady and a two, get out from underneath him and get a a first round draft capital running back. I'd be interested in that. I, I just think it's, I mean, I think if you can project him to be a running back too next season and we have seen, you know, you have these quarterbacks that have the ability to run, you know, if you can get this yeah, own read going it. on with those guys, it really does open things up. And that could be nice for shady because clearly they, you know, well, and Hey, with some, with some weapons developing on the outside of Robert Foster. And I can't believe that he's good. Cause he was just so <laughs> bad right in college. And then yeah. like Zay Jones kind of coming along. I mean, if you can cobble together some kind of something there, you know, that's, and you know, it's like maybe get some men out of the box and you know, the, yeah, the pieces are there for the bills to, to make a pretty quick turnaround. Which is just crazy to say. Yeah, so, I know. So yeah, yeah, maybe you could look at. I was, I, I was under the impression that you just need to get rid of Shady. But you know, if if you could maybe think about him like that, then maybe he's a. You know, that's a. And then in redraft next year, I guarantee you, he's not going to be going before the seventh or eighth round, probably. And and the, and the and the other thing that we need to remember too is there's still in you know out of sight, out of mind. But don't you remember in the preseason there was a lot of worry about the possibility of the commissioner's exempt list because of that weird break in that yes, occurred with his yes. with girlfriend and stolen. Jewelry, and I mean, I haven't heard of any resolution with that. So no, I completely forgot about that. Then, so that will probably rear its ugly head at some point during the off season. That's not a bad, uh, bad point to bring up. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there with Shady. Before we move on to some just just some personal and industry questions, before we let's get out of here because I heard you earlier. Ah man, man we're good. We're everything having fun. You got going. Um, the Arizona Cardinals. You're from there in Fe- you're you're from Phoenix, Ugh. like Scottsdale. Where where do you Tucson? Peoria. Peoria. Yeah. Oh, is Northwest that just Phoenix? Okay, so Phoenix. All right. Um, I I thought you were Phoenix, but I remember you telling me a different city. I guess that's what it was. So, are you are you are you guys Cardinals fans? I think you're yes. Cardinals fans. Born born and raised. Okay, so what the hell, man? Is Steve Wilkes going to get fired, and should Steve yes. Kime get fired? Steve Wilkes needs to get fired 100. percent and, uh, and what about Kime? Man, hasn't his time gotten too stale? Yeah, and he has he is just not hitting on first round picks at all. And assuming they don't do something remarkably stupid, the Arizona Cardinals will have the number one overall pick in next year's draft. It's funny. Jason and I literally just had a lengthy conversation about this in the office yesterday of okay, Wilkes is he should be gone. And the reason that Steve Wilkes should be gone is 
the Arizona Cardinals had a problem on offense. They did not have a problem on defense. It was stout. It was very strong. There was players. A defensive coach comes in and says, nah, bro, my system is better and tries to go square into the round hole, completely screws everything up there. That's why I think he should be fired. Your specialty is defense. You came to a top five defense and you absolutely blew it up. That's why you got to go for a time. What if you have the number one pick, it's that's such a difficult decision because, okay, you let Kime take that number one pick and you give him another year and let's say he screws it up. Then you have to bring a new GM, a new coach in, and you had the number one pick and you screwed the pooch on it. You got to fire him. Yeah. Or go full. uh, I would lean. I would hope that the team would do a full reset this off season. It's they're They're very, very far away right now, especially because you don't, you don't know if Josh Rosen is anything. I'm watching Baker be the future of Cleveland. I'm seeing Sam Darnold put up at least something uh, where I go, okay, yeah, that guy's going to be a, a good starter in the NFL. I see freaking Nick Mullins taking the San Francisco 49ers trash heap to being a better team than the, than, <laughs> than the Cardinals with Josh Rosen. So I am very, very concerned about Josh Rosen, which leads into the next question of, do you take a quarterback with the number one pick? Do you bail on the no, number 10 overall oh, pick no. from last year and take it? the best quarterback available at number one. That's why I think you need to get a new GM in to yeah. reevaluate because Kime. Well, he won't. Uh, yeah, he won't. Yeah. Kime, it, Kime should be locked into Rosen and then either trading down or taking Bosa or somebody with that number one overall pick where I'll, I, I think the Cardinals team, they need a fresh pair of eyes, some fresh evaluators to say to, to make an unbiased choice with that number one pick. That's why I think, that Kime should go. I don't think he will be fired, though. Gee whiz, if they don't pick Nick Bosa, they're going to make the team that's picking at number two be the happiest set of yes. fans anybody's <laughs> ever seen. Because I yeah. feel like, dude, I feel like if – and here's the thing about Wilkes. Not – all right, so with Wilkes, totally agreed. He comes in there, he basically neuters Patrick Peterson. I mean, what the yes. hell are you doing with Patrick Peterson I don't know. trying to turn him into his own corner? And not – and uh, dude, he's, he, he's only sh- – how are you going to go against – I mean, I guess it didn't go. I guess it didn't go badly in this one game. But how are you gonna go against Devontae Adams and not shadow? Like he, yeah. he's only shadowed three times this year. Or I guess four after this last week versus Julio. Did he shadow? I, th- I think I, I think he was shadowing versus Julio. So four times this season he's shadowed. Only twenty five percent of the time you've got that guy's a man press corner and shadow coverage. He's yeah, one of the most at- dominant. He's one of the most dominant physical freaks in all the game of football at any position. What are we? What are we doing here? And what, what kind of hubris do you have to have to think that you can come in and that your scheme is 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 more important than than harnessing the the, the talent of these of, of such of such an incredible player, such an important position? It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And then you take into account the fact that Steve Kime not only was okay with this as a man who's supposed to be. You know, Steve Kime came up on the personnel side. He, he also brought Bradford side. in for $20 million. 20 what are you million? doing? Yeah, and and so the fact that he did come up on the personnel side, he's supposed to understand these X's and O's. He's supposed to understand how the, the, the dichotomy of where coaching meets scheme and how those two things work together to make the on-field product on the field 
functional, right? He, that, that's, his, that, that's, uh, that's actually his exact skill set. He's not a capologist. He's not going to come in there and know how to do, do things well in the community or anything like that. Hell, he's had a bad offseason as far as being out in the community. I believe that he was arrested for a, yes, a severe DUI. D, DUI. And so, look, whenever there's all these things, and then you allow Mike McCoy to be hired oh, as the oh. offensive coordinator, and whenever you know that what needs to happen is the exact opposite of what he's ha- what, what he's been able to do his whole entire career. You need the ball out fast. You need the, you need to dial up passes to your running backs. Like the, like there's certain things that were just so obvious. I, I look. I think that when a new GM comes in there and and, and who needs to come in there, uh, you know. I think that that GM will say, look, we have the first round capital in Josh Rosen. I've seen some things in him that I think are good enough. We, we, we surround him with a good, you know, like everybody wants now, a good young offensive minded coach. We get our centerpiece of the defense and the centerpiece of the future in Nick Bosa. I think that things will be looking up greatly in, in, in Phoenix for the Arizona Cardinals if they come in the next season with Josh Rosen still in place, a, a good young offensive mind as a head coach, or just a really good offensive coordinator who can really wrap his arms around that guy, and then a piece in Nick Bosa with a whole new, just a whole new front office and a whole new coaching staff. Boy, I mean, won't you, as, as, as a fan, if those things fell into place, wouldn't you just feel better coming into the 2019 yes. season? Yeah, Nick Bosa and Chandler Jones on the Jesus, other I mean, side of the ball, that would be terrifying for an offense. All right, so let's so let's let's talk about the fantasy footballers. Of course, they can find you guys on Twitter uh, at the is is it at fantasy footballers or at ff or ff ballers? Uh, the Twitter the Twitter is at the ff ballers. Yeah, okay. There was not enough there was not enough characters for the fantasy footballers and and someone there's a squatter on at fantasy footballers holding it hostage. <laughs> you gotta be kidding! Are you serious? Do you have you, have you looked try to look into who it is? No, I they. I, I think we did at one point, but we have so many social handles now that are the the FF ballers that it's eh, whatever that ship has sailed. Well, so so you guys clearly are probably, I mean, probably if not the most popular podcast in fantasy, one of the most popular podcasts in all of fantasy. I mean, if you look at the reviews on Apple Podcasts and the, where you guys are on the charts, always up. Just I was amazed to just see it, like as I was just going to check, like. You guys, I appreciate are, you that. guys are killing it. Like, wh- like, what is it you guys do? This made like I love listening to the pod. Like, what do you do that makes it like such a fun and enjoyable podcast? Like, not to give out your secret sauce, but you know, wh- like, what advice would you give? You know, maybe younger guys in this space who are who are kind of trying to do it. Sure, I mean the I think the we can give away the secret sauce because the secret sauce is actually it's the three of us and we we have been friends for a very, very long time. Now we've been like obsessively as you maniacal, (laughs) maniacally passionate about fantasy football, where the, uh, the origin of, of the podcast started back at, uh, the business we used to work at. We were at a game, uh, game studio. We made Facebook and iOS games. Jason owned the company and we, but Andy and I would spend half our time talking about football and our, and our league of record is, is hardcore. It's never been for money, but it's still the one that I want to win the most just for the pride of winning that league. It isn't for it, money at all. It's just for no, like you guys no have money. a single dollar on it, but it's no, still, there's, all right. Okay. There is. Yeah. There's never been money. And, and I'm, this is not an anti-money take this. You want to play for money? Good. I'm in some money leagues, but the way that this league has developed, it's the most important league to me that I want to win every year. Sure. Sure. But the, the, the real secret sauce is that we are three friends who have 
just had these conversations so many times and we're all fortunate enough that we're all in the same room. I, and I think that's a, a massive advantage that we have over other people. Not that there's doing remote, there's anything wrong with it, but the, the actual chemistry of the three of us being able to be in the same room and having so many inside jokes of, of being able to just tear each other down when we need to, I think that's a huge reason why people have connected so much with the show and the fact that we are in it. I mean, we, we discuss, we try not to talk about our leagues too much. And it's funny because then our, our listeners, which we affectionately, we refer to them as the foot clan. They want us to talk about our league more and more. And so we, we do from time to time and we share our heartbreaking losses and you can, they know that it's real. I mean, I was, I'm not joking. I, you can ask my wife how tilted I was on Monday night watching this game, just, just screaming every time I would see Drew Brees, even look at Michael Thomas. (laughs) We, we are in it. We are, we are very passionate about the game. And I think that that with the camaraderie is, is a huge part of the success of the show. Yeah. And I could totally dude. I know how it is. Like when we started, you know, when we started roster watch, we had to, we were, we started on the local, um, the local ESPN, like in, in Austin. Right. And then we got right. simulcast on ESPN in San Antonio and up in Waco. And eventually we were all up and down the I-35 corridor in, in, in Texas before we took the show to Sirius. And that whole time it was me and Byron and trash man just in a dude, we used to have to break into the, like the people that gave so little of a shit about us uh, with, uh, for our ability to record. We had to do it at the local like ESPN place uh-huh. And, they, and they would give us the studio time to 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 do it, and um, you know, it, as long as we brought in like we like we had to bring in a sponsor and do all this stuff, and it was at night, and there was nobody there to let us in, and so we literally had to break into this place every time we wanted to do the show, and it was like it was you know going through that and going through that with us three and being there together for all those shows i totally know what you mean there's something about it like being in the room together and i still miss it like these today because like um now we're all set up with our home studio like i'm like i'm in a home studio right now like half the time you know yeah but you're living now (laughs) l-i-v-i-n man (laughs) right yeah but i mean yeah we're certainly not breaking into studios anymore but like half the time i don't see my co-hosts you know for the show like i i get on the kodak and they're just they're there at their house or whatever and it was it was a different time it was a really cool time you know during that time i guess what i'm just saying is it's a long-winded way of saying like i totally get what you're saying about all being in the room together there's something there's something that comes out of that like as far as as far as when you hear like other whenever you hear other podcasters well i mean do you listen to other pods do you listen to football pods do you like what do you are are there any out there that you can recommend or ones that you like of course i mean yeah, people know him, but JJ, oh, <laughs> JJ yeah. Yeah. from uh, from Number Fire, uh, his pods are they're absolute fire. He has the Late Round podcast, which is uh, this one just gets right to the point. It's usually fifteen minutes, and it's uh, I mean he's he's one of the best minds in the business, in my opinion. No, and then he, he just, and then he just is that's a fact, man. JJ and he point, yeah. oh yeah, I love JJ. He's a really really good friend of mine, and he also does a, another show, which is. Kind of, a little bit more similar to the, the footballers may, maybe a little bit more goofy, but live in the stream with Denny Carter. And that show just, that thing has me cracking up frequently and they have really good information on top of that. But those, so I, I pretty much never miss an episode of those. Uh, 
I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have Sirius anymore because I used to listen to you guys all the time. Uh, who, uh, who else? Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the Dynasty Blueprints with Ryan McDowell. That's a good Dynasty pod. Uh, they got really high quality information over there. And if, and if I think of some more, I'll, I'll throw them out there yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to put you, put you on the spot. but all, No, all, no worries, man. Tons of good pods. Um, and, and can you believe that I'd never, like, I, I'd i always, like, I've, I've, I've followed JJ and Denny ever since I started in this in this industry, like, back in, you know, out of, we started the company in, like, 2010 or 2011. It seems like I've been following those guys the whole time I've been doing this. Can you believe that I never listened to Living the Stream until this year? Oh that, man, you that podcast out. is awesome, dude! It's so yeah, it's funny, great. Man. Yeah, like yeah, I totally man. Those those two guys, like that. Well, so whenever you hear podcasts, like are there, you know, those are the good ones. Are there any mistakes that you think people are making with their pods or with with uh, the the way that they're getting their content out there? Any any advice that you would give? Sure, I, I would say that my biggest piece of advice, and I, it it always it sounds super generic, but. I, it, it's 100% true. And I'll give you a, a, a story, a backstory the, the way that this podcast story or started the footballers originally, it was just myself and Andy, and it was a podcast only for our league. That was it. We, we talked about for your, the, for your league or league. Of, yeah. For the league of record, we would review what happened. We would talk trash for 45 minutes, give, give a tip of the cap when someone made a good move or a good trade but it was just super fun. There was absolutely no restrictions of, uh, of our personalities coming out on the show because this show was not made for the public. It was That's made amazing. for our friends. And we, then we decided, Hey, there's kind of a space. It. We're already yeah, doing it. Yeah. We're doing it. There's a space here, I think in podcasting. So we tried to do the fantasy footballers and our first episodes were awful because all of a sudden we put the handcuffs on ourselves. We put the tie as absolutely tight as it could possibly get because we thought this is what you have to do for when you're making a professional podcast. There's a formula you have to fill and we have to be sports broadcaster, man. And we were bad. It it was because we weren't being true to who we are. So I, we have found once you, once you remove that filter, those restrictions on yourself, uh, like, I mean, there's so many times, I'll be doing a show and I'll have a thought and go, man, that is ridiculously stupid, but kind of funny. (laughs) And then I say it because I don't, I don't hold it back. I've I've found that being yourself and letting your personality out, that's the key to it. You of people connecting with you because the information is everywhere. I mean, it's honestly fantasy football. You can, you can get the information everywhere. You have to connect with people and you have to connect your personality and, and have fun while you're doing. And I think is, is the huge part of the footballer success is we make it fun. Uh, So that would be my advice is be who you actually are. Don't be who you think you're supposed to be. And, and remember it's, yeah. And I think also just like a a subtext of what you said is just kind of remember that this, 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 at the end of the day, this is entertainment, right? Yes. I mean, it's 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 got to be fun. You you got to connect with folks, and it's got to be fun. And I I thought it was interesting, like that you said, because the content really is everywhere. So, it, I, something I think about just philosophically sometimes, and it was something I wanted to talk to a note that I wanted to ask you, like, what do you, 
whenever you think about breaking into this space as a content provider, do you think with with how easy it is to put stuff out now that it's kind of easier to break in now because there's very little barrier to entry as far as actually producing content and getting it out? Or is it harder now just because there simply is so much competition? Oof. I would imagine if you're starting now, it's probably harder because when we started our show at that point, writing, you know, writers, that market was already incredibly saturated and it wasn't, we haven't been around that long. We, I mean, we're in our fourth full season with the podcast. I think fourth, maybe fifth, I don't know, whatever, four or five, right around there. That's a little surprising. But, it feels like you guys have been a fixture for a little bit longer than that. Yeah, we're everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, there you go. <laughs> but when we started, that was, like I said, Andy and I said, it would be awesome to do something in fantasy football where where is there actually a space? And the answer was podcasting was because as little as four or five years ago, I mean, ESPN, CBS, they had their show. They're good shows. Football guys has been around forever. And, but there was a, there wasn't a ton of shows. There wasn't a ton of podcasts. There are now, (laughs) there are now it's, we, I I think we were just at the right place at the right time, man. Like legitimately hashtag blessed to have this, have this job breaking in. It can be tough, but if you, it's going to take perseverance, a, a point of view and just putting yourself out there. Also, don't be annoying on social media, like be a, be a good person on social media and, and just keep at it. And I, and eventually a, some kind of window will open for you and take that opportunity. Unless you're just a legitimately kind of annoying and cool person, right? Like if that's just your deal and that's, that's how you are, then, right. then yeah. But if you're always just going to be busting on people and just, you know, acting like such a know-it-all and everything else like that, it's not like, this is a business where you, this is a business where you should, you know, try and try and try and network and, and, and make friends. And, you know, that's the way that you're going to open up lines of communication and, and ways that you can kind of work with folks to help, help get your content out there. So it's not and like, people, you know, people help in, yeah, in yeah. this industry. I mean, even, uh, Matthew Barry is somebody I actually consider to be a good friend in the industry. And Barry takes all sorts of crap from Unbelievable people. Unbelievable crap, man. But look what, pay, pay attention because Barry actually does help people out. I mean, he highlights people. He, he was kind enough. We did a, a live tour of, of the podcast over this off season during the summer. And we did a show in, in New York and he was literally a surprise guest. People had no idea that Barry was going to be there, but boom to open the show and introduce us was Matthew Barry. And then he sat in on our mailbag portion of the show. People are willing to help. If you, if you have a podcast out there that is it, it don't in it. What's funny is what I'm about to say. Don't invite me onto your first show, unless, unless you're a roster watch, of course. <laughs> then I'll jump on your first show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right, right. One of one of the things that is <laughs> another piece of advice is it just takes time. You got to get the reps in. Yeah. You're going to be afraid of the microphone at first, but I mean, I I jump on pods all the time because I. I want to get out there. I, I like having conversations with good people. So very more often than not, 
if you shoot me an invite to your podcast, if I can make the scheduling work, I jump on. Well, you know, you know, we definitely appreciate you coming on here, <laughs> coming on our first guest spot here, brother. <laughs> and I, dude, I want to echo your sentiments about about Matt Barry because, uh, like, I mean, I we have a we have a similar story that you know he's been. I mean, Matt Barry came to, came to us and asked us to be on his Rotopass product, which right. is which is like it's. Uh, I mean, the way that that. You don't you don't realize what you know people talk about like influencers you know and they talk about um you know brand influencers or influencers in different spaces and stuff like that you you really don't realize what an influencer is until one kind of t- takes you under their wing and you can just see the breadth of their influence like Matthew Berry if that guy like uh tells his Twitter followers to go follow you on Twitter because you're doing good good stuff you, your phone will break with, with right. the number of people that come to fall. Like literally 10, you know, 10,000 people. Uh, I, th- I, think the, I think the first time Matt Berry ever gave us a shout out, we went from like having 10,000 followers to having like 17,000 followers in like 15 right. minutes. It was just un- unbelievable that the, the, you know, that guy's the, 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 the power that he has. And it's really true, man. It's like well, the thing I love about this industry is that, I mean, there's no, um, you know, there's there, there's no famine mentality. We're none of us believe that, you know, seeing other people successful takes, you know, it, like it's like a zero sum deal where it's like, you know, their success takes away from my success. That just isn't how it works. At least not that I've experienced it. Man, people in yep. this industry won't completely like, agree. You kind of root for each other and stuff. So, um, to- totally agree there. All right, so just a couple, couple more things that I wanted to kind of get out of you here before I before I let you get on. Uh, we're good. we're good. Don't don't feel pressure over there, man. I'm having a good time. All right. Uh, what about like what about just like a your your day whenever you like you're in season how's right. it different from an off-season day like are, are, you, are you like me where your monday is this your tuesday is this your wednesday like during the season or is it i mean do you have a more relaxed process like how, how does it work out for you yeah in season is definitely there is a very set schedule and the best part of in season is that the content actually writes itself for you Right on on Sunday, the games happen. I watch the games, and then we get to talk about it. And then we get to talk about what's going to happen in the upcoming games. Off season is definitely much harder in terms of content. I mean, it's it's far more relaxed because we we drop down in January. We've dropped down to two shows a week through uh, I think July is when we start ramping up again. So the the schedule is it's much much different. But we actually we love it, man, because it's. It's two different, very, very different uh, thought processes of in season. It's the grind of the show and getting everything, getting the rankings done, mm-hmm. asking, answering thousands of questions. And then the off season, we call it our development cycle where we're working on the, the, the big thing for us is our ultimate draft kit. We, I mean, just like you guys, you guys have your, the roster watch product, mm-hmm. but so that's as soon as January hits, that's what we are focused on. How do we make that thing better? How do we get it built out? And then at the same time, how do we produce content for two shows a week all the way through July while not a ton is happening in the NFL? And the answer to that was actually much easier than you might think because the NFLs they've done a very good job at making themselves uh, relative and interesting for the whole season because you have the playoffs. Then there's maybe a couple weeks of downtime. Boom, right into free agency. 
Then you're into the draft. I mean, and you're talking about draft prospects that whole time. The Senior Bowl, the Combine, yeah. free agency. Oh yeah, pro yeah, the days, Combine like, yeah. in Feb. Yeah, it's, so it's it's a really exciting time that you get to kind of reset, recharge the batteries because the I'm, I'm not complaining at all. But right about now is when I'm starting to wear down from <laughs> from the season of yeah. you, you work. You how how much do I actually work? I mean, because it's six days a week. Yeah, it's a lot. You have to work on Sunday, so it's it's a lot, man. It, it's it's definitely a grind at this point. Love it, but certainly can hit a, a grind point where the off season lets you be far more creative with with what you're doing. We call it the dying salmon that, sw- that swims upstream. <laughs> it's by the yeah. end, you're just ready to flop out and onto the side. Yeah, like like you great. like you like you've grown a beak. You like you like you're ready to just flop onto the side of the stream and let. Flop, flop the side of the stream and let one of these brown bears just come devour you. <laughs> Take me away, devour bear. Devour the, the rotting corpse of your body, man. It's just like, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it starts to feel. But, yeah, I mean, it, it always is just a nice breath of relief. And I think, you know, I wanted to ask you about bridging the gap, how you bridge it for like February through June. And, I mean, the, the, those are good answers. You do the two shows per week. And then, uh, I mean, how much has best ball really helped? You know, best ball is just something right. that's like, wow, it's like we can play fantasy all all off season long you know we don't have to just talk about dynasty and the upcoming dynasty drafts or stuff like that we can be playing right now and saying you know look we get to, you know this rookie's got a you know ninth round adp if he goes to this team and you know who knows he could end up going by the in the second round by july and stuff like this it's how, how much has best ball sort of affected what you guys do in the off season yeah it's it's definitely been a a very positive change and we've been a little bit, I would say a little bit slower to covering it than other people. And our, our best ball coverage really kicks into gear right around in, in June. But I, I can't imagine it's not coming up far more often this off season. It's, it's such a, you're right about the rookies. That's the really fun part about best ball in March is taking the shot on the rookie because they're going way too late. Yeah. Yeah. Because going, no one knows. No one knows. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then you get to stack your team with those, the other uh, unknown players. It's, it's really, really fun. Yeah. It, it just, just hopefully you didn't do it this last year with a bunch of Rashad Penny and Royce Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> right. What, right. What about like, what about just personally, man, what are you into right now? You got any books you're reading or any like TV shows, anything you want to like audio books? Uh, we already talked about podcasts, like, or, I don't know, music bands, like, what are you into right now? Just completely outside of fantasy and football. Anything you're kind of taking sure. up your mind, like anything you're thinking about? So it, it hilariously spilled onto the show uh, with with some pretty great frequency to the point that we got a a one star review for the show. They and the thing I'm talking about is Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay. We in my <laughs> in my former life I played a lot of video games and I just I don't really have the time to do it especially in season but we made the time when that thing came out and it just of course we're going to talk about it because we talk about our lives we got a one star review someone accused us of running sneaky gorilla ads for Red Dead Redemption people are such morons because they thought we they legitimately thought we were being paid to promote the product when we just. <laughs> We just were playing it every night and loved it. So I'm real excited to to get back into that. I still haven't even finished the campaign, but the online version, I, I'm a huge fan of Red Dead. Uh, let's see. Pod, I, would, I want to shout out to this podcast called The End of the World. I've been binging the crap out of that thing. It's 
if you want to have your your teeny tiny insignificant mind just blown into smithereens <laughs> check this show out it's why, all about why what's it about it's all about existential threats that exist and can wipe out humanity things like talking about uh the future of nanobots the well, I was going to say that AI, AI, AI is just the nuts as, 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 as far as what's going to kill us all, right? Yeah, it, there is. There's an episode about AI, and they have this example of uh, this, this machine where the, uh, they call it the great paperclip machine. And it's, so it's this super all-knowing being of AI. Well, not real all-knowing. It's, what it knows is it has to efficiently make paperclips. And eventually, this thing branches out, you know, because it's making them as efficient as possible, starts taking away from our resources, is duplicating itself with neural nets, it's, it's <laughs> creating slave workers, and then does eventually it look at uh, human beings and say, okay, well, we got to break down the minerals because these are we are just resources to the paperclip machine that has taken over and it's <laughs> and i mean it's it's a super ridiculous anecdote right. about what can happen with ai and i didn't i didn't really do it the justice that it deserves but the, there are so many episodes of this show where i'm i'm driving to work and i will just i will audibly curse like oh oh no i i, I didn't even think of that and, and the whole show opens opens with something called the fermi uh, the Fermi paradox, which is all about uh, extraterrestrials and intelligent life around the universe, saying the amount of time that has happened and expelled through the universe with the chances of there being life somewhere else, why haven't we met aliens? Which then leads you to believe, well, maybe there's not actually any other intelligent life because the probability says we would have met them already and then it goes through all the all of those things talks talks about a post biological existence where we all move into the matrix dude it's it's freaking nuts man you got to check it out yeah well i mean the um the 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 fermi paradox is isn't that always about that's just about how we sh- i i just i don't i don't believe i mean am i wrong is like the the actual paradox is like if if aliens exist wouldn't we have already been visited by them and wouldn't yes, we already know about them? Yes, that's exactly what it comes down to. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. It's because, because who's to, like, who's to say that there's a, that we're, that, you know, that during the time that we've been able to just record history, it fell, it fell at a time that was also, you know, that was also a time whenever there was somebody, some other life form out there that knew how to communicate via the same ways that we do in ways that we could understand that's in a different galaxy or whatever. I mean, as far the, you know, the universe has been expanding since the beginning of, of, of time. Of time. Who, yeah. who, who knows how long that's been? It's like the, the speck of time that we've been able to record history as humans is literally just a little speck. So to, like to me, that, that, that paradox didn't, didn't ever make any sense. But I do think that as far as if we're talking about just the, just the absolute nut answer for how we're all going to die. It's got it's got to be AI. It, is, yeah. it, like, did, did they, is there anything on there like a volcano or like a yeah, super they, like tsunami or do, like they talk about those things too? Yeah. They, they talk a little bit about thing, you know, the, the, the asteroid, how we now fully believe that it, it wiped out the dinosaurs and, and things like that. But it goes through the uh, – it focuses more on 
uh, human based things and the, like super bugs and of, of how many labs are out. People are out there trying to make the flu better, like to do <laughs> research on it. Like yeah. people are trying to take bird flu, which is extremely deadly. Yeah. It's hard. It's much, much harder to catch for humans, but it's extremely deadly. And then they want to mix that with, with pig flu, which is easier to get. And these people are not being regulated and they're everywhere. And you're, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. What is happening? Well, that, well, that'll kill us all too, right? It's just, oh, be, there's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Man. It's just about whether the AI people or whether the, the uh, pig flu, the uh, avian flu mixers, it's just yes. wh- whoever gets there first is going to be the ones who, to, to kill us. That's definitely the nuts. All right. So let's get you out of here with this one. Uh, I want to end each of these shows with a guest. If, if you have anything like a cause or a charity, uh, especially, man, it's coming up on Christmas. I never got to say Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's the time where we should have charitability in our hearts or be talking about, you know, causes that are important to us. Any causes or uh, charities, anything like that that's important to you, near to your heart that we can link in the show notes and direct listeners to? Sure, man. We uh, on Giving Tuesday which is like one of the actual good things that Facebook does. Uh, we did a, a live stream and I picked the charity. I went with project 375. That's Brandon Marshall's mental health charity. Oh, Cool, man. Nice. As, uh, as one who grew up and struggled heavily, heavily with depression and anxiety, I still have to deal with that monster, uh, on, on, on a too frequent of a basis. So I I know what this man is going through. I know what he has been through, and it, it's it's tough, and it's something that people need to talk about. Like you should not be embarrassed to admit that you have a problem with depression or you have a, a problem with anxiety because you're it, it's just something that you that the, the, that has a terrible stigma on it, and you're okay. Like you you wouldn't make make fun of somebody because they've they've come down with cancer, like. There, you're sick and you and you just got to get some help. So that's the charity I picked there. So the, so Project 375, Brandon Marshall's mental health charity. That's that's the one that I would 100% shout out. Mike, you and I have more in common than you would ever imagine, brother. <laughs> but, yeah, man. But, but, but yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll make sure and link to that in the show notes and, and make sure I get the uh, donate page up there and uh hopefully you know if, if if you feel it in your heart you feel the kindness uh go go give those guys some cash or at least you know go follow what it is they're doing and make sure you can keep up with it i i totally forgot that brandon marshall had always talked about doing that and really cool to hear that he is and cool to hear that you guys are involved with it again he is mike wright from the fantasy footballers can't thank him enough for being our first guest here on this uh i guess this series of podcasts here on the roster watch feed you can find him on twitter at ff hitman mike right roster watch nation salutes you and godspeed to you brother of course man i appreciate it thank you